Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It is now 8.08 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. Coming up after this hour in the 9 o'clock hour, it's Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We just hope you want to join us to hear about all of that. And then, of course, the last hour is the Mom and Michael hour. Now, this hour, this first half hour, we are now talking to another candidate. I believe this is the third candidate for mayor of Minneapolis. And her name I'm sorry, fourth candidate. Yes, you're right, Jonathan. Um, her name is Sheila Nazad. To have two women running for mayor, as you heard me say at the end of the uh, half hour, uh, I'm just so excited. I stand a little taller because of it. It's just remarkable how many women are getting into politics. Yay, and making a difference. Sheila Nazad helped draft question two on Minneapolis ballot, and she has used the momentum to help her candidacy for the office of mayor. And she is joining us now. Hi, Sheila. May I call you Sheila? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you. Okay. What inspired you to run? So I have been a community organizer here in Minneapolis for the last 12 years. Got my start doing LGBT rights and public health work and have spent the last few years um, specifically focusing on issues around public safety and policing. And I was frustrated uh, at the, the lack of change I thought we saw in 2020 when there was really widespread um, demands on the ground and also neighbors really stepping up to take care of one another after the pandemic and also after the murder of George Floyd. And I felt that our current mayor wasn't quite ready to meet that moment. So I asked my community, do you want me to run? And they said yes. And so here I am. Here you are. <laughs> are you having a good time or is it just unnerving at times? You know, it's both always, but I have a wonderful staff and one of the biggest joys of running for office has been to be able to hire a lot of young women, especially young women and queer people to give them jobs on my campaign and they keep me going. 
And it's been really fun because we get to talk to people all over Minneapolis, too. We actually, this weekend, just passed our goal, which was to reach out to 30,000 households in the city. Mm-hmm. Wow, 30,000 households. How about that? Yeah. Yes. Um, when it comes to mayor, what blows my mind is that a lot of people would like to be mayor. Um, and then it dwindles down and dwindles down and dwindles down to about four. <laughs> but, you know, you say to yourself, wow, why is it that people want to be mayor? Why did you want to be mayor? I mean, what was the first thing that came to your mind and what was the catalyst for that? Was it something that happened? Was it the incident with George Floyd? What What inspired you to do it? I was inspired because I knew that if I become mayor, I don't go into that mayor's office alone. There is such powerful organizing in Minneapolis around different social justice issues, housing justice, um, community safety projects, environmental justice, just so much good work happening on the ground. And we need leaders who are ready to stand behind those who are already doing the work in their neighborhoods. And so I felt it is, of course, um, a big job, but I know that I will be able to do it with others in community. And um, yeah, again, my, my leadership style is bringing more people into the process. And I think the mayor's position is a great way to do that. This year, the process has been a little more difficult, um, especially for Minneapolis, right? <clears throat> We're looking at um, so so many different ways of trying to reach out to people. We're trying to answer the call of, you know, what do we do with public safety? What do we do with the police? What do we do with so much more? And every household can be thinking completely different. So, you know, ranked choice voting, for me in my mind, uh, seems like it would be this would be a difficult year for it um, because a lot of people may not be sure of those three candidates that they want to put on there. Most, I know the people that I know, we, we usually start with one person we want to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the one who wins. But this time you have three choices. What advice could you give to um, voters about what is going to happen on Tuesday with ranked choice avoiding and if you decide to only put one person down of course people can but how would you encourage them to do more yeah so kate knuth and i have made a pledge to um to rank one another first and second Mm -hmm. so we are encouraging our supporters if you if you rank me number one to rank kate knuth second because we both share values around the new Department of Public Safety. We have, we of course differ in um, some of our policy stances, but really stand united in, in calling for new leadership in the city. And I would encourage folks to really do your research. We found, I got a lot of good feedback about the TPT Almanac did a debate Right, only right. Half hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folks I've talked to, because, you know, everyone's busy right now. So it's just a half hour. I'd really encourage folks to just watch that and, and see um, who resonates with your values. And, and please rank your ballot. At least one and two is helpful. Yeah, it would be helpful. Um, let's talk a little bit about what community policing is. A lot of the candidates or, you know, some of the candidates have been talking about the importance of community policing. What does that mean to you? Community policing, so as like a, a actual model of policing, so community policing came around 
its origins really are in the 1960s and has had different waves um, since then. In Minneapolis, we've had various grants programs. So I think in the 70s, 70s, 80s, we had the COPS, C-O-P-S grant program that was about getting more officers out of their cars to be in the neighborhoods and have had kind of different iterations of that over the years of different ways that police departments across the country have tried to um, integrate police more into the community. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I was growing up, community policing was, you know, fathers that lived in these communities who would go out at night, walk together side by side and just check on all the houses, you know, only go so far, you know, each neighborhood. And they would just be out there and talking to people and making sure, hey, you're doing okay. Is there anything we need to do for you? Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them were strapped with a weapon and others were not. And so Mm -hmm. I, you know, today, if you look at, look it up, uh, on, in a dictionary, it says community policing is the system of allegating police officers to particular areas so that they become familiar with the local inhabitants. That seems so distant and disconnected to me. I just couldn't believe it when I read that. It's like, really? That's what they came wow. up with? <laughs> what do you so think about that? Do you think people think of it that way? Oh, my gosh. Inhabitants. Wow. You know, so I've been talking this whole campaign about I feel like we need to expand the conversation from policing to safety, because when we talk about what creates safe communities, healthy communities, we have to talk about, you know, your neighbors. Everyone has a home and they can afford to stay in that home. Young people have somewhere to be after school that's safe, that's productive with adults that care about them. All of these things are the foundations of safety, right? And a lot of them, social services, youth programming, we have been cutting funding for those for years, right? And that is part of what motivated me to run for mayor is seeing the potential in what we already have to care for one another, to prevent violence, to do that, just kind of checking up on one another, which, of course, is easier when you're not working two jobs to make the rent that's going up every year, you know? Um, So, yeah, I think talking about safety and we've seen examples of that long in Minneapolis, right. And, and uh, notable ones like the aim patrol and the soul patrol and kind of those more formalized um, community organizations. Right. You know, I'm getting a a master's degree in leadership and innovation and ministry at Luther Seminary. And one of the things I always like to look at are the values of a leader. Right. And you really put yours into your website. Um, Your values are we deserve to thrive, not just survive. Right. Love that. Justice and safety are intertwined. I stopped right there. I stopped right there and I went, okay, first of all, when you have communities that don't, don't feel as though justice ever enters their community or their homes, uh, and so they feel unsafe as well, I, I, I wondered, what does she mean by that? Why was that the combination, justice and safety are intertwined? Tell us more. So, and I first wrote that when I announced, which was last December, Mm-hmm. And there was this push, there was, there, um, how am I going to say this? So I feel like there was this push to bypass justice to get to quote unquote safety, 
by this sort of push for more policing, more militarization, all of this, while folks, especially folks down at George Floyd Square, felt like nothing had been done in the service of justice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the push to reopen the square and all of these things. And the more and more conversations I had, it was just like, we have to name it explicitly. You cannot get to safety without justice. And, so and vice versa, you yeah. Right. So if injustice is a part of the criminal justice system, right, um, it's got to be a very difficult thing to reach that goal. I I know that this is something you are passionate about, it sounds like. Um, So I'm just wondering, if if you became mayor, how quickly do you think you could actually um, get the um, inhabitants of Minneapolis... Sorry about that. I just had to say it. But to believe it, that justice and safety are intertwined. Um, Is there a different way that you can explain that in one sentence that everyone would get it? The way we get to justice and safety is by crafting our solutions together and by cultivating the conditions of self-determination. So in terms of what I can do as mayor... If we are able to pass question two and create this new Department of Public Safety, we will keep fully funded 911 and 311, and we will have the opportunity to develop some new community safety strategies, violence prevention strategies. And I want to do a census-style community engagement door knock where we literally talk to every resident in Minneapolis to hear what safety means to them. And that's how we craft our solutions because what we've been doing now is a handful of politicians or a select group of people or a task force are meant to speak for a whole community and we're not getting solutions that stick, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to slow down a little bit to be effective, to build solutions that are going to last. On your website, you also mention all of your organizational endorsements, you know, from Elon Omar to Twin Cities DSA um, to the um, Hispanic community. Um, you've got the um, um, LGBTQA that have joined in, Clearwater Action, and so much more. It used to be a time, like for me, I always look at the endorsements of the candidate, always. It's amazing, though, that my, my children, my daughter and my son, don't pay attention to that. They go for what they see and what they hear and what they understand, meeting that candidate, that sort of thing. And that's how they figure out who they're going to vote for. It's not those organizations that we believed in at my age, right? So I'm just wondering, you put that on your website. Have you been getting responses from people reading about those that endorse you? I do. And we we kind of went one step further and we put all the questionnaires we filled out on the website, too. So even if an organization didn't endorse us, we put on there what we sent to them and people could read the nitty gritty details. And I thought, oh, no one's going to read this. But tons of people reached out and said, oh, we're so glad you put your questionnaires on your website. I wanted to read all about it. So, you know, I guess it's, we try to we, I try to offer short, digestible things. And for those who want to go really deep, we have those there, too. 
Yeah, I saw that and I just thought, wow, that's cool. Most people don't do that because you're quite vulnerable uh, at that point when you put that out there. Did you feel mm-hmm. vulnerable or did you feel like, you know what, this is me? You know, I don't have anything to hide. Right. <laughs> Everything right. I do, I try to do it with the most integrity I can in that moment. And running for office is very public. So I've been very intentional and, and that's the best I can do, right? Exactly. I, um, I'm just, I really have enjoyed talking with you tonight. And um, I'm just wondering, what is the first thing you're going to do on Tuesday morning? Uh, I'm going to drink some coffee. <laughs> No, that's I'm an everyday thing. It. Come on. My, my mom and I, my mom and I are having dinner um, after the polls are closed. We're going to get together. And I'm really looking forward to that because she lives out of town. So she's coming in to see me. And I'm really excited about that. Last question for you. You helped draft question two. How difficult was that or how easy was it? Your, your choice. Yeah, it, it was. Um, it was an iterative process. So it wasn't easy, but it did feel good. We did a survey that we got over 500 people to fill out about what they wanted to see on the on the um, question. And I got to analyze that, which I'm a big analysis nerd as well. So that was good for me. But yeah, it's, you know, we're about to make history here. And that, of course, always comes with its own challenges. When you go back and read it, do you see anything you wish you had changed? You know, I, it's, it's tough because a charter is not meant to have a lot of detail, right? It's just the scaffolding, and we build all the other things through ordinances. So I wish I could put more detail in there, but that's not what this part is meant to do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I wish we could fast forward to be able to do both at once, change the charter and do all the ordinances at once, but... Alas, that's not how our system is built. Well, there you go. Uh, Sheila Nizad, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Sure appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Wake up well on Tuesday. You got a lot to do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to, you're welcome. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is now, let's see, 8.28 here at WCCO. And I tell you, as we're moving into the um, 8.35 guest, um, it's really quite amazing. Um, We have great weather happening right now. At least I think it's great. I am enjoying it so much. So, Jonathan, is this the time I can do the weather right now? Nope, we'll wait a minute oh, or two. Oh, man. Okay, we'll wait a minute or two. Okay, so I'll tell you a little bit about the guest that's coming up next. It's a, it's a segment where we do, so what do you do? So what do you do? Ask the question because we want to know about all of these companies. Maybe you've passed by um, uh, uh, some type of low building, like an industrial park, and you don't know all the companies that are in it, right? And then when you see a name and it confuses you, you go, well, what do they do? What do they do? Well, I love this segment because we get a chance to learn about all types of companies and corporations. Um, I just met the woman, by the way, Jonathan, at an event the other night who um, is um, creating these games. A black woman. Remember we did that one time for So What Do You Do? Um, and she's, um, I forget what that title Talking is. Talking about Jules. Um, I don't uh, remember her first name, but it was a black woman who came on, and she's the yeah, one that she, has been building a, these. She's actually a regular guest with Shaletta. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. She is awesome. And I finally met her in person. So that was really cool. But we get a chance to meet uh, um, so many different people doing different things. And I'm excited to introduce the next one to you after we get a chance to do a little bit of weather. So we'll be back in a moment or should we just go into it, Jonathan? We will. We'll be back. What? What? So what do you do? This is the title of this segment, and I just love it. And we're going to learn about a, a company that I knew nothing about. That's the whole premise here. And we get a chance to find out exactly what it is that they do. Well, here we go. Reaching young people and trying to change their lives through valuable relationships. This is what they do. That's part of the vision statement for One to One Connect. That's the name of the company we're talking about tonight. They are making plenty of inroads all across the Twin Cities, and they have a big event coming up at Target Field on the 11th of this month. Their executive director, Stefan Van Horst, is joining us. Hey, Stefan, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I think I pronounced it wrong, but it's Stefan, correct? Yeah, Stefan Van Vorst. It's two Vs. So. Oh, yeah. Van Vorst. I apologize. Yeah. We misspelled it. So, so are, you the, are you the founder of this? Are you the one that started it? I am. Yeah, I founded it about 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, which is crazy to, to say. <laughs> doesn't feel like 10 years, doesn't it? No, it does not. It does not at all. 
That means you're doing something worthwhile. When when you don't feel how bad that is or how ridiculous it sounds, it's pretty special. So here we are. When I went through your entire website, um, I kept asking myself, where did he find these young people, first of all, uh, to do this one-to-one connect? Because uh, that's got to be the, the, the crust of it all. If you don't have the right people doing what you do, you wouldn't have been here for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, well, we, we built most of our programs originally inside schools and um, worked with colleges as well, young people within local colleges. And it really is all rooted in the belief that for a young person to thrive, it's inherently connected to their sense of belonging. And so what we do then is going into spaces and say, okay, who, who, who's excluded here? Who, aren't, who isn't included? And how do we engage them in meaningful ways um, <clears throat> and put adults in their life that are curious about them? Was it difficult to find adults that were curious about them? Young people today, um, particularly between the ages of 18 and 23, uh, they have a hard yeah. time trying to get those, <laughs> you know, those that will support them or at least want to get to know them. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's yes and no. Um, I think p- part of it is is we, we've experienced so many young people who don't have a lot of relationships in their life. And mm-hmm. so someone who wants to spend time with them, that, that immediately is, I'm interested. Um, but the other part of it is, I think there's uh, something around, you know, the, the younger generation where they're, they're understanding their experience in a unique way. And so getting somebody closer to their age that might be a little older who wants to understand that experience as well um, is, is powerful. And what, what we did that... Uh, wasn't intentional from the beginning, but a lot of those 18 to 25-year-olds were going into career areas such as teaching, law enforcement, um, counseling. And so they were kind of on professional tracks to uh, work with young people in different institutions and professional settings. And so it became an opportunity for them to really learn and understand What's the experience of a young person like today in their community, in their school, in their home? And how do, how do I create meaning to that in a way that can build healthy relationships with them, both on a personal level, but also as I prepare, prepare for a professional role? Does social media help you find the young people or does it help you inspire young people? Because what I do know, the last decade has really been painful for young people between the ages of, I would say, 14 and up. Um, it's, yeah. it's remarkable how many people they lost in their lives, even those that they used to have as friends in elementary school. All of a sudden, they're separated. And on social media, you, you have all these so-called friends and they're not your friend. So did you yeah. have a sense of how social media um, interacted with those young people that are now part of one to one, one to one connect. Yeah. So did you know about that? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we, we've done a lot of kind of research behind um, just what's going on in general with young people in their relational world. And the reality is, is exactly as you said, of the last, you know, five uh, to 10 years, there's been a lot more isolation has happened. So kids becoming a lot more disconnected and, what what you know the researchers are asking is what's the cause for this what are some of the causes and the the reality is there's just a ton of correlation that you see as technology and social media increases you see more disconnection among youth and so 
Um, whether you can connect it to causation, I, <laughs> I kind of assume it is, but the reality is it's very correlated. And so we, we've done much more like really stayed committed to in-person, face-to-face. That's how we're going to build a relationship. So someone can see me smile at their comments. You know, someone can right. uh, see my curiosity about the story they're sharing. Um, that's been really important to us, and we've, we've held to that. What have you learned in the 10 years about building relationships? Because it has been redefined quite often. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people have put the word mentoring on what we do. And we, from the very beginning, it didn't sit well with us. And part of the reason was because mentoring comes with this idea of, in my, the, the image it, it kind of forms in my mind is you have a service recipient and a service provider. You know, and we've never seen a kid as a problem to be solved. We're actually far more curious about that young person. And as we put relationships together, especially one-on-one, it, across the board, it was far more mutual than a lot of our language um, would, you know, would be able to describe it. And so that mutuality has been key um, because it, it ends up being a much more much more around a friendship than somebody who has the answers giving them to somebody who needs the answers. That's not our experience. Um, your mission, of course, we believe in intentional relationships, create change and build communities. Um, when I looked at your list of staff members, to me, that, that answers that question. You really went deep um, looking for people from all walks of life, um, different um, people. It's a diverse group of staff. Um, and, of yeah. course, the young people are, too. What are you hearing when you put them together, when you put the coordinators out there with the, with the young people? Um, are they building these relationships and expanding them? Oh, for sure. And, I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm a white male that started this organization. And, and the reality is, is that, we're not serving kids that look like me. And um, we've been very intentional about saying we, we have to think about um, how to build trust. How do, how do we understand um, the young people that we feel called to serve? And that's where the staff, the coordinators are crucial because, um, you know, there's very few spaces. We did a bunch of experiences this summer um, with young people coming together to talk about safety in their community and it was all facilitated by our staff. And there was, um, if, if anything, maybe one, you know, white person in the room. And what came up over and over again is how few spaces they have to talk about these things with each other and people that look like them. And so th- this has been a crucial thing for us that we are uh, very committed to and believe in that we need more spaces for young people to come together and that diversity um, is key. It's key to it. How difficult was it for you to pull together a board of directors uh, for something so unique as one-to-one? Yeah, it's, it's challenging. And, you know, in the beginning, uh, to be honest, it was just, you know, it was a, it was my friends <laughs> because, yeah. you know, it's an idea that you have to kind of sell people on. Um, but now it's, it's, it's growing and changing, but also we're changing as an organization. So even, you know, kind of what roles we need in the organization to help us move forward and move into the future, um, that's also shifting. And so it's a constant, you know, I, I think a constant working towards trying to engage people 
um, who who want to help, want to support, um, but also have a unique perspective that we can learn from that helps us form who we are and how to best serve the community. When I read your list of board members, I knew exactly. I mean, it, it kind of spoke to where you're going next um, because yeah. of the people that are on your board. Do you think the board will grow? Will you keep those um, six for now and then you be the seventh one uh, to vote? Or are you looking at making it even a smaller board? No, I would say we want to grow. Yeah, we, we yeah. want to grow um, because we're just moving into um, several different areas that we need more expertise, but but also what I would say is we want to grow and get younger people involved at that leadership level, um, because right now it, it's the young people themselves that are really informing our future and our way forward, and so we want to make sure that um, they the role you know there's opportunities for them to play roles where they have that authority. Um, as much as kind of the influence that they already carry with the direction of the organization. Right. Um, here you are 10 years in, and I can only imagine what the pandemic has done for you and these incredible young people. Has it been difficult for them to hold on to those relationships during the COVID time? Yeah, it's real difficult. And, and I think it's difficult across the board for everybody. Um, but it's just, I, I think one of the things that we've noticed is I don't know that young people have been able to find some of the words even around how they're feeling. And so this is where it really takes, you know, people who can sit and listen and ask questions to really interpret what's going on inside them. And uh, I, I think that the pandemic has had way more of an impact on young people than uh, what we're aware of, especially when it comes to stress and anxiety and kind of just this constant uh, loneliness. Height, yeah, exactly. And heightened sense of, of kind of vigilance um, because, you know, uh, the, the world has changed. And so finding safe places uh, is, is challenging <laughs> yeah. for, for young people. So is that where the change makers come in uh, to view where they're desperately needed during this time? Yeah. Yeah. And they, 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 you know, for us, it was about an investment in young people and young leaderships, uh, young leaders. Um, but it was also about, um, we, you know, even though the staff is diverse, we we're a little older, you know, <laughs> and so right. how do you, how do you get more connected to what's going on in the community? And so those, those change makers with their networks, their friends, um, they really became kind of the, the way to engage the community in deeper ways um, mm -hmm. that has been profound, really profound. We've met some incredible people this year. You know, you have about four or five um, change makers, and I'm just wondering, are you going to add to that? Uh, because as you grow, of course, the change makers are integral to the success of one-to-one. -one. Yes, yes. Yeah, we'd like to. That's why we're doing a fundraiser. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the whole, Tell your you know? truth, sir. Tell your truth. Yeah, and yeah. this is happening at Target Field. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so um, we, we've done annual fundraisers for a year, and they're usually usually these luncheons, and they're great, and they're really fun. Um, we couldn't do one last year because of COVID. And so we're doing one this year at Target Field. On the, uh, it's the Truly on Deck space. It's a beautiful space at Target Field. Um, mm -hmm. And it's at night on the 11th, Thursday, November 11th, from 6 to 10. And it's going to be uh, stories, 
videos, images, and um, some art, uh, just a, a bunch of stuff that we, we want to try to tell the story of what we heard from young people this summer, especially in the, the things that they talked about when it came to how they see their community and how they understand a safe community. Um, we have a bit of a critique in that the conversation, especially in Minneapolis around safety and public safety, um, just isn't including, including the young people who are most impacted by what's going on. And so uh, we really worked to say, let's focus there and learn and see. And so that's the stuff we're going to get out and be able to share in creative ways so that people can hear, hey, here's what's going on. Here's how a young person is experiencing uh, our community right now and what they want to see change. Here in Minnesota, um, we are givers. You know, it's just so beautiful how many people give here. Um, and yeah. so I really wish you will with this. You've established yourself for a decade. That's incredible. And, of course, the young people that are coming in and out of that um, organization one-to-one, I can just imagine what they're telling other people. Do you hold on to all of the students, uh, all of the young people that you started 10 years? Are they still a part of this? And then you keep adding on? No, it's it's hard because of... You know, communications, we, we work with a, uh, you know, with a lot of young folks who, you know, they're moving, changing schools. And so it's, it's challenging to do that. What we've found, though, is often we get surprised that all of a sudden we, you know, somebody pops up and they're still meeting with um, the, the college student that they had connected with, you know, eight years ago. Uh, it happens more often than what we even thought. And it's really incredible and, and inspiring because um, a lot of these relationships, I think, especially as they get older, you realize what you have. We're in the moment. You know, most of our life we, we understand in retrospect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. uh, you see that happening with young people where they look back and they go, oh, wow, I had that. And this, right. this is how it, you know, formed me. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because they can reach, you know, forward for that person. But at the same time, you know, people change. You know, we are different iterations of ourselves as we get older. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so I can imagine the job of choosing has got to be one of your greatest feats. So I wish you well with this. And I see that if people want to donate, all you have to do is go to one to one. Again, that's O N E, the number two, O N E, connect.org slash donate and give to this organization if you feel that it is best to do so. Your heart says yes. And I tell you, um, Stefan, it's not easy what you do, but you're sticking and staying with it. And uh, with that said, thank you. Thank you thank very you. much for reaching out. I wish you well. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. And again, All if right. you want more information, one to one connect dot org slash donate or you can just go one to one connect and you can learn all about this organization I just I was so thrilled when my producer Jimmy Erickson uh, sent this one to me and I just um, I just think it's wonderful so again the mission just to make sure that you know the mission we believe intentional relationships intentional relationships create change and build communities that's for sure all right It's amazing that we have to take a break, but we will be back. We have so many great guests coming up in the um, um, center stage 
I, it's just so exciting. I got to tell you, first off, that this is a big win for us. We are so excited to have Colin Mockery join us. You know, the one who's on Whose Line Is It Anyways? Uh, and he's so funny. People love this show. And he's been there since the beginning. Right, Jonathan? Since the beginning. Um, I was reading about this thinking, wow, you know, people who stay on that long, that's just remarkable. And then, of course, I thought about me being here at CCO for 22 years. <laughs> It was like, yeah, when you enjoy your job, then you just enjoy your job. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to last forever. Let me tell you, it does not mean it's going to last forever. But at least it gives you a chance to stick and stay with something that you do love. And obviously, he loves it. And he is loved, beloved by the community um, who supports him every time. They just love seeing him come out, that green screen, all of that, and just do his thing. And uh, I think it's um, Drew... What is his name? Drew something. I can think of his last name. That's also part of that show or was, but it is still going. And I used to, you know, kind of think it was really funny too. And I tried to catch it every week and, you know, yeah, I kind of lost sight of that, but I'm so looking forward to interviewing him. Also, we're going to interview Grant Meacham, who is the, um, the head of live programming at the um, Minnesota Orchestra, and uh, he's going to join us to give us a preview for next weekend's fun with movie, the movie Black Panther. So you want to hear about that? I sure hope so. And then we also have joining us Rohan Preston, lead theater critic. Uh, he's going to join us to talk about. Um, he's going to uh, talk about theater. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Is it theater with a T E R F N or a T R E? <laughs> You know, that matters to Rohan. Absolutely, it matters to Rohan. And my first guest um, for Center Stage would be Tamara Kangas Erickson and Madeline Trumbull from the um, uh, CD, CDT, the Chan Hessen Dinner Theater. So we got a lot to talk about tonight, so stay tuned for that. Um, as you watch us or, or stay with us to go into the Center Stage Hour, um, please uh, keep supporting and praying even for the musicians. Um, I've been hearing more about musicians that are not having a good time. They're not working like they used to work. And it's been amazing with your support. So please just keep giving as much as you can. And we're praying for you as well. All right. We will be back in just a moment with Center Stage. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future, in vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 